These are crazy times for white guys. We are not the most popular people on the planet. It doesn't matter if you grew up rich or poor, in a city, small town, suburbs. If you're a white dude, you know what I'm talking about. We've got some work to do. This podcast is about white guys who are breaking the mold. And they're doing things that are causing a whole new kind of happiness for everybody. I'm John Poor. In today's episode, our new white guy is Peter Moore. He's a writer, actor, and director who lives in Minneapolis. And he wrote an opinion piece for the Star Tribune on the topic of old white guys, what he calls OWGs. I read it, and I loved it. And I wanted to connect with this guy. And I want to just read some excerpts from his opinion piece. And these are just clips. As a card-carrying OWG, I can tell you I've never seen times like these. Everything is changing in ways that are seismic and have left OWGs everywhere scrambling to cope. What's happening now is flat-out unprecedented. Suddenly, women are in positions of actual influence that were once our exclusive domain. People of color are being courted for positions that usually went to us. Companies are making diversity a priority. Nowhere is this cultural shift more prevalent than in my business, the theater. Roles I might normally have played are now being cast with people of color or women. No question the game has changed. So as someone who has skin in the game, I say this, about time. We OWGs have ruled the world for thousands of years, and now it's someone else's turn. It's time to turn the reins over to younger people who don't look like us. Oh, we'll still be around, but our sway over the world will never be, nor should it be, what it once was. So what's an OWG to do? Adapt and engage with this brave new world. Take a risk, learn a new trade. And then he goes on to say, I, for one, am following my own advice by starting a new theater. And then he goes at the, at the bottom, Peter says this. So stand up. And take a deep breath, fellow OWGs. Hard as it may be, embrace the change. I believe we'll be just fine if we get in there and contribute to the common good instead of sulking about how we're the victims now. We aren't. We're strong and kind and still have a lot to offer. Wow, really, really refreshing to read that. And... Uh, I was excited to meet you and, and would just love uh, to hear a little bit more about you, your younger years, any experiences that, that shaped you to, to express yourself this way, Peter. Well, thank you. Uh, well, it would, I, I grew up in, I think, kind of what I realize now was a fairly unconventional family. Uh, my mother was a feminist before the word was ever invented. Um, my dad was uh, a a very liberal thinker and uh, believer in people's equality. And I was taught those things. Uh, I lived in New York from 24 to 27, and that helped me grow up a lot. And I realized there were a lot of different perspectives in the world. And just coming from, you know, this lily white suburb in Minneapolis, uh, 
going to live on 103rd and Broadway in New York in 1980 uh, was a real eye-opener. It was great. You know, I met people I'd never met before. I've, I've encountered things I'd never met before. I discovered you could get cold sesame noodles at 11 o'clock at night. That was astonishing. Of course, in Minneapolis, everything closed at nine. Just to have, you know, this whole different world, to be in the middle of that as a young man was, uh, was great and very eye-opening and, and invaluable, really. Uh, it, was a, it was a great time. Wow. Okay, so out of the Lily White suburb into into New York City, realizations that there's these multiple perspectives. Right. And that just there are different, you know, there are different ways of approaching the same problem. And maybe some of, you know, the ideas that you just instantly go to were not not necessarily right. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a television conference and I had seen a, a pilot, a half-hour pilot of a TV show that had been written by uh, some young lesbian women. And in the feedback afterwards, I said, you know, you managed to avoid uh, so many cliches, sitcom cliches. I, just when I thought I knew what was coming up, that didn't happen. And they said, and one of them said, well, that's why it's so important to have different voices in the writer's room. And she's exactly right, uh, because there are lots of ways to look at the same thing. And uh, I find it interesting to hear other people's points of view. Seems like you find it interesting. I can't think of a time when I read something by an older white guy that was as forthright about, hey, you guys, this is happening. Uh, we need to make room for people who are younger and don't look like us. So this doesn't mean that you have to go hide in your basement. Oh, God, no. What's it mean to you? Well, it just I think it just means that we have to be open to other ideas, other ways of doing things. Like I said, we've ruled the world for thousands of years, and we've kind of made a mess of it, to tell you the truth. I I'm, I'm think we're afraid of, uh, and I say we, just meaning us generally. I think, you know, we feel threatened by that, especially now that in a time when when women and people of color are being a given, a, given a chance and showing how competent they can be. Every bit as competent as us, if not more so. So I think it's just a matter of saying, you know, again, as I said, we've had a great run, uh, but I want to I want to use that experience and somehow incorporate that into, you know, boosting up the people who are coming behind us. And now that the fact that, that those younger people are people of color and young women, I think we have to say great. It doesn't mean men can't still be involved. The demographics have shifted. You know, it, it makes my stomach churn when I hear these white supremacists chanting, you will not replace us. Well, guess what? They, they probably will. And I don't, think, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like I said, we've had our chance and we've kind of, the world is not in great shape. 
let's give someone else a chance. Maybe maybe they can fix the damage we've done. And but I just hope it's not you know it's not too late. I love to see people like Greta Thunberg, you know, this eighteen year old kid. And I know a lot of people hate her. She's she's walking the walk, you know, and she's making people wake up and realize that something has to be done and that we OWGs putting money and power above everything else has really cocked up the world. So I think to give someone else whose values might be in a different place, to give them a shot, makes a lot of sense. Wow, that is super refreshing. I'm listening to you and I'm wondering what it's like to be, and I am, I'm 55, so I'm, I'm an OWG. Uh, I don't know what the what the age actually is. What's cool about you is that you're 65 and you're starting a new theater, not because you need to financially. You're doing it because you love this work. Um, you haven't taken on this, the world's changing, the roles are going to other people who don't look like me. I'm 65 and I'm just going to check out. You're like, no, I'm going to live into this and I'm going to behave differently into this and I'm going to try new things and I'm going to try to adapt. Um, you say, hard as it may be, embrace the change. I believe we'll be just fine if we get in there and contribute to the common good instead of sulking about how we're the victims now. When I read your stuff, you are an embodiment of landing well you're like hey look look at the scoreboard we had a good run but the results are not awesome you're like we got to do something different right but something else to keep in mind is that i'm lucky in that i'm i'm okay financially when i was younger i worked a lot uh i had a very good career as an actor i wasn't i wasn't famous but i did very i made a living at it a good living I'm okay. I have savings. I'm okay financially. That makes a big difference. That, you know, that that allows me to afford some ethics. Do you know what I mean? If I were if I were my age and, you know, living in a ratty little apartment and kind of, you know, making $18,000 a year, I might have a whole different perspective. I can afford to say it's time for me to step aside. Not every not every OWG is lucky enough to be in my position and I I think that's that makes it a little harder to say oh yeah let's let's someone else do this. That might be your challenge. That might be a challenge to, you know, reach the people who are saying, you know, look, I can't afford to retire. I'm 68 years old. I've been working in this factory for 35 years, and I have to keep doing it. There are more of those than me. Uh, I realize how lucky I am. Uh, you know, it's interesting listening to you because you you say the word lucky, and at the same time you write about how the the roles now, more of the roles are going to women and people of color than to OWGs. And the system when you were younger was more set up for white guys to get those roles, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, when the concept of colorblind casting came along saying, well, you know, it doesn't matter if this character is black or white, that was a radical idea. Um, you know, to have someone in a Shakespeare play 
a, 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 a character played by a black man or woman. That was kind of shocking 30 years ago because um, people would say, well, well, there there weren't black people as the prince of Verona in in that time. Well, you know, unless race is an issue in the play, it really doesn't matter. It was a way to start to get people of color more work, uh, to start to kind of open open that up. Uh, and now it has spread not only you know, to color, but to gender as well. And people are saying, well, why not a woman playing this? Why not an all-female Julius Caesar? When I was a young actor, it was all white guys all the time. Wow. So I know listening to you talk about this and knowing that you're opening a theater in North Minneapolis, what are your hopes? Well, uh, my company is called Stage North. The theater itself, the building that we're renting, is the Capri Theater, and it's beautiful. It's an old movie theater that's just been renovated to the tune of about $10 million. It took them 12 years to raise the money and do this, and it's uh, we are the first production in this new theater, and it's in uh, an undeniably rough part of town. North Minneapolis is a, a rough part of the city. And my hope and everybody else's hope is that by making this theater a success, by, you know, having people rented out like my company and getting audiences in there, that it will, you know, make a big difference in the neighborhood. You know, I think ideally it would be to give the neighborhood a rehab of its identity. You know, that's everybody's hope. I think, you know, that rising water raises all boats. Wow. So when you envision the casting and what your actors look like and where they're from, tell me about that. Well, interestingly, the first play we're doing is a play called The King of the Kosher Grocers. And it's set on the north side of Minneapolis 30 years ago when the neighborhood was transitioning from a Jewish neighborhood into a black one. And the three leads uh, are three men in their 70s, um, a Jew, a Mexican, and an African-American. And it's by its nature, it, it's, it's multicultural, it's multiracial. And it's a very warm-hearted comedy about this very thing. In future shows, I'm like in the spring, there's a play uh, I'm planning to do called Mauritius. And it's it's five people. Again, 10, 15 years ago, it would have just been white people. When it was done on Broadway, it was, it was all white people. That's not going to be the case. Uh, I'm going to, to hire two or three uh, actors of color uh, because race is not an issue at all in the play. So it's fine. But just to be aware of that, to try to get some designers of color in, people who may have not, you know, had the opportunity. We're trying to work with uh, one of the high schools nearby about getting some kids in who might be interested in this kind of thing and might want to shadow uh, an actor or director or designer during rehearsals and see what it is they do and see if this is something they, they might be interested in pursuing. But to try to get the people in the community involved in whatever capacity 
they might be interested in being involved. And like I've told the high school that they can use intermission at our show to sell concessions for their school projects, you know, for a band trip or whatever, that they'd be welcome, welcome to do that. So it's bit by bit, I guess we'll just see what happens. Well, you know, as I said, if nobody shows up, if we're in trouble and, you know, I'll, uh, I'll lick my wounds and try it again, I guess. Not indefinitely, but like I said, I have to try it. Awesome. It's refreshing. And again, you don't have to do this. You want to do this. You're, you're at 65. You're opening a new chapter that is offering lots of opportunity for you to change and for the people around you to step into new roles. That is not nothing. I'm curious though, you're this self-professed uh, OWG and, and you're proposing such a new chapter for other old white guys to step into. And you're very uh, kind of matter of fact about it. But I do find it extraordinary that you're, that you're so open to change. Um, I, don't think it's, I don't think I'm unusual, put it that way. I don't think I'm extraordinary at all in this. But again, I, I'm in a position where I can do that. I appreciate that. But you're not, from what I hear from you, you're not just sitting back and saying, let's see what someone else can do. You are starting a new venture that sounds that it, like it has a pretty inclusive approach to it where you want to feature the other voices and you're taking active steps to do that. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, you know, the word privilege gets thrown around a lot, but I know I have a lot of privilege. And if I can use that uh, to do something positive uh, rather than just, you know, increase my own wealth or status or notoriety, why the hell not? And it's a very small thing, but it's it's a way to do something. There are a lot of people, especially in the arts, who are very talented, whose voices have not been heard. Let's give them a shot. What the hell? I mean, uh, I'd like to, to hear something different. I'd like to see somebody up there I might not have seen before. So, you know, you're not the old white guy that says... We just need to get out of the way. You're the old white guy that says, we got to try some new things. You're trying something new. I want to know, how does it feel for you? I'm a little adrift. Uh, I know where to find white actors and designers and people like that. Uh, I, I can name plenty of those without thinking. I'm not so sure. I'm not all that familiar with the black theatrical community or the Latino theatrical community. And that's something that I've kind of had to say, hmm, okay. I've called, a, you know, in casting this play we're doing, I called a number uh, of my colleagues who are people of color and said, you know, I need to cast this part. I need to cast that part. Who would you recommend? Because I don't know them. And they said, oh, yeah, here are a couple of guys, and, you know, they've worked out great. But if I'm going to continue to do this, I need to get more familiar with that community. The actual challenge that you're stepping into, you're like, well, actually, I didn't know exactly how to how to find the right people for these roles. And I really had to go out on a limb and have some different conversations, et cetera. And I look at you and you seem alive and inspired. How does it feel for you to be moving into this chapter? Um, I th It's exciting. I'm trying to do something a little more lasting. 
I'm trying to, I'd like to do something that could turn into something, you know, permanent. I'd love to, I'd love to see if that can happen. Um, there have been some challenges already, but that's true of any show. That's true of any business. Probably things come up. You have to, you have to deal with them. I think challenges are what kind of keep you going. And if you fall on your face, you, you'll learn from that too. You know, every, everybody fails. Okay. So you're an old white guy and you're starting this new venture. What advice would you give other old white guys? Oh, um, I don't know. You know, I, people say that, that courage, the definition of courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. Um, but I think it just requires an awareness. I would say just try to be aware, you know, read the room, read the world, you know, look around and see, you know, what's, what's needed here, what's lacking that I can, I can do something about, you know, am I, am I willing to take some criticism? Am I willing to take some chances? Am I willing to put the time into it? I'll tell you, the theater takes an ungodly amount of time, especially for the amount of money that you, you get out of it. That's a real consideration uh, at our age. So I think it's, it's approaching the things that you want to do with the, you know, the energy and enthusiasm of a 30-year-old, but with the pragmatism of a 65-year-old. And that can be a, that can be a, a, tough, a tough combination in there. Peter, it's been so great to talk to you and, and hear your story. You don't think it's very remarkable. However, it's really inspiring to talk to an older white guy who is out there trying new things, taking risks, and really living into what is a more inclusive way of being, making room for other people who don't look like you, and not having all the answers as you move into it, solving, solving them as you go. It's really inspiring. So thank you for coming onto the show and sharing with us. My pleasure. It's, uh, it's, it's fun to talk about this, and I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. I mean, this is a, a, a real pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, John. So we've reached the end of this new White Guy episode. If you like what you heard, tell a friend and subscribe. To find out more about us, things you can do, ways to connect with other new white guys, check out our website at thenewwhiteguy.com. If this was your first step towards being a new white guy, we hope it's the first of many. We've ruled the world for thousands of years, and we've kind of made a mess of it. Hey, just want to give a special thanks to the new White Guy team who make this podcast happen. Editor Peggy Poor, may or may not be related to me, and advisors Patrick Brown and Travis Burdick.